Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our podcast and I am your host Parth Vindra from class 12th Aryabhatta joined with my three friends Shreyas, Ayush and Divyansh. Hello, I am Shreyas from class 12th Aryabhatta. Hi, Ayush here from class 12th Aryabhatta. Hello, Divyansh Rawat from class 12th Aryabhatta. And today we are going to discuss on the topic understanding gandhi ji let's start with the questions shall we okay so the first question is gandhian ideologies are based on the pillar of non violence are non violent actions the easiest way to protest what are your views on this according to me it is the easiest but not quite efficient because at times going on hartals and it makes really difficult to keep the pressure on the opposition and it leaves the party unhealthy well in my opinion i don't think it's the easiest way to protest as if violent actions are faced faced from the opposition you are not able to defend yourselves and it will just make yourself suffer gandhi ji also fasted for several days and was ready any time to get arrested by by the pro- protesters i'm going to agree with ayush and uh, I-, i would also like to add my points uh, so of course no uh, once mahatma gandhi said that non violence is the greatest force at the disposal of mankind it is mightier than the mightiest weapon of destruction devised by the ingenuity of mass but still non violent actions are not very efficient uh, so i would say no uh, in my opinion obviously not non violent actions are not the easiest way to protest right patience dedication it takes a lot okay everything goes into the satyagrahi marches right a uh, lot of torture has to be taken uh, has to be taken uh, by the satyagrahi right so many people get thrown into jails right many people lose their lives so they have to go through a lot of torture so it obviously isn't the easiest way but then the main question comes what is the alternative then right so the alternative here are violent actions now if you are if you bound to make two groups fight obviously uh, there is guaranteed death and destruction so obviously that also won't be the easiest way so my opinion on this is that non violence uh, obviously kanyan ideologies are based on the pillar of non violence but the non violent actions are not the easiest but obviously the easier way Well that's some great information. I took my friends for granted. Coming on to the next question. There are sufficient resources on this planet to answer the needs of all, but not enough to satisfy anyone everyone's greed. Was Gandhi ji against use of machines and advancement of technology? In my opinion he was not against the use of machines and advancement of technology he just wanted its proper proper utilization to take place and wanted the machine to serve a greater purpose than its resources well it's true that gandhi said a lot against technology but he had his reasons he was against the dehumanizing aspect of machinery so i guess he was against the idea so people have a lot of misunderstanding about uh, charkhas here as well right so gandhi ji used to uh, used to use charkha to weave a lot of clothes right 
Now it was actually a symbolism for self-reliance, right, to support the local workers, the local industry. As we already know, around the 1900s, there was the industrial revolution that started coming in uh, in England. So the businesses around here they started to fall, right, because uh, the local artisans or be it the handicraft shops or any uh, or any other shop like that, these shops started to fall in, right. So this is actually a very uh, great misunderstanding amongst people that charkha is actually you know since gandhi ji used to use charkha so he was against the use of machines and advancement of technology so coming to the question taking reference from his book in hindu swaraj 1909 uh, there is a whole chapter that's being dedicated to the use of machines right so if you actually read the chapter you will know that he wasn't against the use of technology he was against the bad use of technology right he believed that it could enslave generation of indians which uh, you might all agree on that all of us are being enslaved by uh, technology today like many of us misuse technology right so he was against he obviously knew the pros and cons of the technology that that and uh, that it would bring with it but he was only against the use of bad use of technology well to my views gandhi ji was a simple human and everyone will agree wearing dhoti shawl and overall living a simple life but he was worried about the inequalities that mechanization could create and would result in a bad way for our country well moving forward to the next question mahatma gandhi involved majorly in the freedom struggle of india belonged to a rich background do you need to be privileged in order to do something great Okay, I think it's not true to be always privileged in order to do something great because the thing that matters isn't some social status but the idea behind it. So it's not really uh, the person does not need to be privileged in order to do something great. Even I believe that you don't need to be privileged in order to do something great. Okay, the only difference could be that you might have more exposure to the uh, advancements of the world. You might. go outside india and you might have a little bit more understanding of the uh, progress that is happening in other countries but apart from that no you don't need to be privileged who could be a more great example of this than uh, dr apj abdul kalam his father was uneducated he came from a very poor background and yet he re- reached the highest uh, position of india that is the president's position so yes i believe that you don't need to be privileged in order to do something great well finally we all agree to one point and i am so glad i also don't think doing great things you need to have a rich background as deshbhakti comes from heart like bhagat singh shivram rajguru sukhdev thappar they all were freedom fighters who fought till their death well i agree with you all and i also don't think that you need to be privileged in order to be something great as many poor peasants also supported in mass movement for non cooperation and civil disobedience and contributed the major part of the protesters okay so moving on to the next question in smaller localities the indians were afraid to show sympathy for advocates of home rule is it true or a myth um well i feel like it is true to a certain extent right uh, for example uh, it was true until before the great indian struggle actually started 
propagating throughout India, like around 1920s. You might all be knowing the uh, struggles of 1857 and how it was suppressed brutally at the hands of the British. And uh, Rani Lakshmi Pai and many other great warriors died. So after that, the people were obviously scared to show sympathy for advocates of home rule. But that was until 1920, because after that, people knew that we are going to get independence. And uh, this movement turned into a mass movement. It propagated throughout parts of India. So yeah, I feel like slowly all of this melted away with increasing awareness. Uh, yeah. Well, breaking the question, Britishers were being a menace to the society, and their fear was holding back the small localities. But Gandhi ji was determined to help taking the fear out of out of their mind, as in the chapter Indigo. he has placed as the champaran in the champaran act he helped the farmers taking the fear out of their mind and becoming free from going indigo i also agree that it is true that in smaller localities the indians were also afraid to show sympathy for advocates of home rule and i have the same opinion as parth okay so i also agree that According to me, the average Indians in smaller localities were afraid to show sympathy for the advocates of Home Rule, as uh, Parth and Ayush talked about. So Gandhi stayed at Muzaffarpur for two days at the home of Professor Malkani, a teacher in a government school. It was an extraordinary thing in those days for a government professor to give shelter to one one who opposed the government. So I guess it's true that. Uh, the average Indians in small localities were afraid to show sympathy for the advocates of home rule. Okay, that was nice to hear all the opinions. So now let's move on to the next question, which is I'm not going to lie; it's a little controversial. Gandhi ji is accused for not preventing the India partition, India-Pakistan partition, rather than causing it. Oh, that's a really controversial question you asked. Uh, I believe Gandhi ji opposed partition until the very end. However, the Congress leadership has had increasingly sidelined him by the end of 1946. By that time, uh, Jawaharlal Nehru and uh, Sardar Patel had come to accept the idea of partition without even the courtesy of consulting Gandhi. So, it's really a controversial question and. Uh, it has no answer to it. This is a very tricky question as it may have various viewpoints. But according to me, yes, he is accused for not preventing the India-Pakistan partition rather than causing it, as because his contact and cooperation and involvement with the Muslims made it possible for them to conclude and protest and protest for a partition of a different state. Okay, according to me, the reason for partition was the two-nation theory, which was presented by Syed Ahmed Khan, and said that Muslims and Hindus were too different to be in one country. Pakistan became a Muslim country, and India became a majority Hindu but officially secular country. So I guess yes, Gandhi ji was accused for not preventing the India-Pakistan partition rather than causing it. Okay. So I feel like this controversial question now. As I'm, I will only uh, answer this question uh, by the experience that I've got by reading books. Okay. So as as much as I know, I feel like Gandhi ji was falsely accused for not preventing the India-Pakistan partition. Uh, 
uh, we'll have to understand the story behind this so as much as i know as much as i've read uh, the, the story goes like this so the viceroy that is mount batten was the viceroy of the then uh, uh, non independent india so so gandhi ji has had several meetings with mount batten uh, to gain independence with obviously several other delegates mount batten had one condition to it for the con- uh, for the independence of india that is uh there'll be a partition of the nation into two countries into two separate countries gandhi ji tried to negotiate with mount man that uh, okay you give us independence for now we'll delay the partition for now we'll then find some other solution or some other negotiation will be done but uh, mount man didn't listen to him uh, he obviously this was a very smart move by the uh, britishers because they they were believers of the divide and rule policy so then gandhi ji went to mohammad ali jinnah again a very great freedom fighter from that era so he went to mohammad ali jinnah and he said the same thing that okay let's get independence for now and then we'll uh, delay the partition for now and uh, we'll we'll try to find some solution on negotiation later now mohammad ali jinnah he knew that as long as the britishers were involved in the matter he was bound he would have high chances to get a separate nation for his people so he didn't uh, listen to gandhi ji and he was uh, somehow along with mount batten for the creation of a new nation to for the partition so now gandhi ji actually went to jawaharlal nehru he went to him and he said okay uh, we'll do one thing uh, we'll get independence but let's make uh, mohammad ali jinnah the first prime minister of independent india now this statement is very absurd this shows the extent the amount of extent to which gandhi ji went this shows the amount of extent to which gandhi ji went to in order to avoid the india pakistan partition right so jawaharlal nehru obviously was uh, enraged by the statement and even he didn't listen to him so i feel like gandhi was accused but falsely accused for not preventing the india pakistan partition because he was ready to go to any extent to prevent it so those were my opinions well that's a really interesting story so moving on to the next question the champaran episode was responsible for convincing the involvement of the common masses and their belief in satyagraha and non-violence in my opinion yes the champana episode was responsible for convincing the involvement of the common masses and their belief in satyagraha and non-violence as he made the people of his state understand the rights and explained them how they were wrongly treated he awakened the major sums of people and increased their involvement in mass protests Okay, I agree with Ayush. So Gandhi considered the Champaran episode to be a turning point in his life because it was the first, very first Satyagraha moment in India, and it had uh, given back courage and self-reliance back to the Champaran peasants. Hence, Gandhi ji considered it important in his life and in the course of Indian independence. Yes, I agree with all of you. The Champaran was responsible. The Champaran episode was responsible for convincing the involvement of the common masses. Because just imagine, it was the first time that people saw how non-violence could act as a weapon. Even during the Champaran court case, the judges were troubled. The law couldn't do anything. The prosecutors and defendants were troubled. They couldn't do anything. So first time they saw how non-violence acted as a weapon, and also they saw that uh, you know Gandhi ji again coming from a very rich background. Uh, he was ready to sacrifice everything and walk into jail right there and then so this actually convinced the masses even more to join along with him uh, in satyagraha non violence the champaran episode was the was like a first step towards freedom and uh, like it shattered the 
mind of Britishers and it was a like really a big step towards freedom of our country. Moving further to the next question, Gandhiji was satisfied with 25% compensation from the British landlords during the Champaran struggle. Was it fair for the farmers who were scammed? Um, in my opinion, no, I guess it was uh, not fair for the farmers to get only 25% compensation from the British landlords given what kind of treatment the farmers had to suffer. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't fair for the peasants. But as the title of the podcast reads, understanding Gandhiji, right? So if you understand Gandhiji, he wasn't looking at the short game, right? He was looking at the long-term game. He wanted to make out solutions uh, with the Britishers by getting involved with them, by showing signs of negotiation, right? So what was more important to Gandhiji at that instant of time was that the Britishers showed willingness to negotiate, right? So at least they were showing some negotiation, some willingness to negotiate, uh, negotiate, right? At least they're getting something rather than nothing. So yes, in the long-term game, it was successful. So the main aim of Gandhiji at that moment was to free farmers from the indigo plantation and which he accomplished, but in trade of a short-term loss with a long-term benefit, just like stocks, which everyone could relate right now. Well, according to me, it wasn't fair for the farmers who were scammed and lost a major part of the compensation. But according to Gandhi, he thought instead of getting no compensation for the farmers, they should at least accept the 25% of, of it. Okay, so moving on to the next question. Gandhiji believed that taking the Champaran case to the court was useless. Did it contradict the principles of Gandhiji? Yeah, so even I believe that it was useless at that point of time, uh, taking uh, court cases to, I mean, taking cases to the court. It was useless because all the landlords, uh, they were backed up by uh, documents and evidences against peasants. They had all sorts of evidences. They had signed documents and contracts by the peasants. So obviously, they weren't going to uh, win the case at the court, right? And uh, coming to the next part of the question, did it contradict principles of Gandhi? You see... He didn't want to take the cases to the court, but uh, he was summoned and that is why he went to the court himself. All right. So obviously, even during that uh, incident, he explained it as a conflict of duties. It was a conflict of duties for him because he didn't want to give an example. He didn't want to set an example as a lawbreaker, but at the same time, he wanted to lead the great Indian struggle for independence. So obviously, and the courts couldn't do anything. Now, the main aim of Gandhi actually during that point of time was to uh, bring justice to the peasants, right? Which obviously they weren't going to get at the court. So that is why he believed that taking the Champan case to the court was useless. So Gandhiji always followed rules and regulations, truly. But at that time, as peasants were crushed and gripped by the fear of the system, he didn't believe that going to the court uh, would solve the struggle. So he he took the step and and didn't follow his rules and regulations, but it was for the peasants, for their freedom. I agree with Parth and Shrey and believe that taking the Champaran case to the court was useless. And it didn't contradict the principles of Gandhiji, as he believed in Satyagraha and non-violence, and it didn't depend on legal processes. Alright, let's go to the next question. Many people dejected Gandhiji for cancelling non-cooperation movement in February 1922. 
was he infirm or was he steady uh, due to the contradictions of his principles at chori chora and many other places because of the because of the riots he stopped the non cooperation movement and was firm on his decision moving further on path i i believe he was steady when people rejected him for cancelling non cooperation movement in february 1922 as as in many parts of the country situation was going out of control and for the sake of safety of the people it was the right decision of gandhi to call a cancel to the non cooperation movement i agree with ayush and parth and that gandhi ji was a steady person and um, after an angry mob murdered police officers in the village of chorichara in feb 1922 gandhi ji himself called off the movement the next month he was arrested without incident the movement marked the transition of indian nationalism from a middle class to a mass basis i too believe that uh, gandhi ji he was he had a purpose behind everything right so at that moment of time it was required so let's look at from the people's uh, perspective non violence for them was a very new concept for the local masses right for them uh, freedom fighting meant you know going out on roads and uh, fighting for their freedom uh, for the first time they were actually seeing uh, people marching peacefully and that too brought about results right for them it was a very very new concept and that is why when the non cooperation movement actually uh, began Uh, there, there were fights that broke out in various parts of the country because of misinterpretation of what gandhi ji wanted uh, for example uh, uh, chori chora and uh, the chori chora incident and the police station uh, when the police station was uh, set on fire okay so all these are basically incidents that compelled gandhi ji to cancel non cooperation movement for the sake so for example uh, many uh, freedom fighters many legendary freedom fighters for example bhagat singh uh etc they were on the uh, they were supporting gandhi ji non cooperation movement and they uh, went against him as soon as he cancelled non cooperation movement they were they were very unhappy with this decision but uh, on gandhi ji's part he believed that people weren't ready for mass struggles yet they had to be trained so there was a purpose behind him cancelling non cooperation movement so he was steady well my friends have great knowledge let's go to the next question This will be the last question of our podcast. Are you guys excited? Yes. Yes. Well, of course we are. Let's begin. Gandhi ji firmly believed that the cause of every religion was truth and non-violence. Are his traditions carried on in modern India? Well, we might all have a same opinion to this question. as now in modern india these traditions are not carried as much seriously as in many places with people of different communities still fight and riots take place of much often and honesty among one's religion is not much is taken not much seriously nowadays okay so i would select uh, no Uh, I'm not sure that Gandhi ji's ideologies like truth and non-violence were carried on in the modern India, but violence has decreased to some extent in 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 modern India, but not completely eradicated. So no, Gandhi ji's ideologies uh, like truth and non-violence were not carried on. 
so even i do believe that uh, the tradition gandhian ideologies are not carried on in modern india actually there are two aspects to this the macro level micro level see if you actually look in a macro level right so gandhian ideologies are reflected everywhere in the constitution in the political uh, systems in the law and the judiciary it's being reflected everywhere uh, but in the micro level obviously people have forgotten the significance of non violence strategies okay of non violence ahimsa and uh, so they do not understand the significance so this can only happen this can only uh, be successful uh, when the gandhian ideologies are being involved in day to day lives like uh, you know they they become a part of common household right in the values and the tradition that we get Uh, that we achieve uh, that we take <laughs> intake from our like from the previous generations so only then can the gandhian ideologies be carried on in modern india well it is really hard to identify the truth in today's world everyone is in a race of life but forgetting their roots and ignoring them therefore people are slowly detaching from the ideologies of gandhi ji and i think that slowly the ideologies of gandhi ji will vanish in the upcoming de- decade so thank you everyone for listening our podcast and hope you have a great de- day ahead